Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. The great storyteller, Paul Harvey, shared facts and behind-the-scenes knowledge, creating a connection with his listeners. And in that connection, we found ourselves grasping something beyond the story that he was telling us. Our curiosity was put on alert. In ancient days when history was passed down through stories retold again and again, man's curiosity for the rest of the story was born. Paul Harvey once shared, what is the history of the hot dog? You could travel back nine centuries and discover sausages. Homer even mentions the delightful delis in his famous Odyssey. And we know about the Frankfurter. Johann Lahner, a butcher in the 17th century, invented these coarsely ground, highly seasoned sausages. But they did not achieve wide recognition until Lahner promoted them among fellow butchers in Frankfurt, Germany. Wienerwurst means Vienna sausage, and they were created in 1852. They were highly seasoned with balanced portions of beef, pork, and veal. The Coney Island is sometimes confused with a hot dog, but only by those who never ate a Coney Island. Coney Island is a Frankfurter in a roll, produced in 1865 at a beer garden in Coney Island, New York, by a butcher from Frankfurt, Germany, named Charles Steltman. He sold them for 10 cents apiece. He called them Frankfurters. We call them Coney Islands. Nobody called them hot dogs. So what about the hot dog? There was a St. Louis concessionaire in the Louisiana Purchase Exposition in 1904 named Foytmonger who sold hot wienerwurst. In fact, they were so hot, he offered gloves to his patrons so their hands would not be scalded. When the gloves began to disappear, he consulted his brother-in-law for help, who just happened to be a baker. And subsequently, the elongated bun for the wienerwurst was created. In 1905, another concessionaire named Harry Stevens sold hot wienerwurst at the New York Polo Grounds, with a bun included, and called them Red Hot Dachshund Sausages. During that year, a sports columnist named Tad Dorgan was at the famous polo grounds attending a football game and ate one of those red-hot dachshund sausages. The good taste inspired the sports writer so much, he decided to start a column about a talking sausage. But there was one problem. Tad Dorgan, the sports writer, did not know how to spell dachshund. And in order to meet the deadline of his publishing paper with his new idea, he instead named the red-hot dachshund sausage the hot dog, as Paul Harvey would say, and now you know the rest of the story. But not so fast. There is the matter of how we indulge in these delightful delis. Some like a hot dog with ketchup. Some think that it is sacrilegious to eat a hot dog without mustard. And some fundamentalists believe mustard and relish are required for true authenticity. Sauerkraut is required by some ethnic sorts Chili by others, and still others say, if there isn't cheese added, then there is no use eating any of them, but only a few. Then there are the many ways onions can be paired with multiple coverings, creating new platforms for gastric gymnastics. There are various other rituals also. The most common is battering the dog and deep fat frying it, or rolling them in bread dough and baking them. But spending too much time at the county fair will influence you in other negative ways as well. Some prefer it to be grilled so it has little charred lines on it. Others like it inserted on a hanger or a stick and roasted over an open fire. While others prefer them to be boiled and served in a cardboard boat dish. My dad liked to eat them raw, cold, right out of the fridge. 
obviously without the bun, because the bun is only needed to protect your hands from getting scalded by the red-hot dachshund. But a hot dog on a bun with nothing else is the original right. Simple, the way it was intended to be. Much like the rest of this story. We told Pilecki was a Polish Secret Service agent during World War II who infiltrated the infamous camp at Auschwitz, passing himself off as just another prisoner, Prisoner 4859, who documented war crimes, gathered intelligence, and organized other prisoners into an underground network of mutual aid and support. Pilecki escaped with two other inmates in September of 1943, writing a 100-page documentary on war crimes within the infamous camp from his diary. Plecki rejoined his friends in the Polish army and volunteered to lead the famous Warsaw Uprising. But not at first. Keeping his official rank in disguise, he served as an infantryman until he was needed because so many officers were being killed. The uprising eventually failed and Plecki was captured and imprisoned again. But the war ended soon thereafter. Plecki was freed. But of course, Poland fell under Soviet control. And it was not long before the Soviet police discovered that Pilecki was working as fervently against Poland's new communist overlords as he had against the Nazis. Pilecki was a devout Catholic who bore a disdain for godless leadership. He was put on trial as a traitor. All the evidence of his service in Auschwitz was suppressed, and he was given three death sentences. Then he was shot. In 2012, Pilecki's Auschwitz diary was published under the title The Auschwitz Volunteer, Beyond Bravery. Poland's chief rabbi, Michael Sudrich, wrote in the foreword of the book, When God created the human being, God had in mind that we should all be like Captain Witold Pilecki, a blessed memory. You may say that this is hardly a simple story. Others might agree. But if we were made to be selfless, courageous warriors, then there must be a simple way to be such. I did not say easy way. I said a simple way. The significance of Plucky's story is that he always put others first and practiced selfless leadership with his countrymen, which made him countercultural in the most positive sense. A real-life superhero without all the trappings and add-ons. He was simple. He did what was required just a plain man who offers us a brave example worth following. In the New Testament, we are called to be light, to be saints, countercultural in the most positive sense, in order to share the gospel. We are capable of shedding light, the kind of light that we told Pilecki shared as well, bravely, like a light shining from a hill, overcoming the darkness, a beacon of hope, among the chaos. The gospel is simple. God is telling us he loves us and he wants us to love him back. That's the meat and the bun. Don't overcomplicate it. It's the way we were intended to be. Not all covered in mustard and relish. Ain't it so? This is Gittin' Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.